This is Dubai Eye 103.8. Right, Monday Night Football, Chris. Where are we starting? I want to start with Liverpool because you said something interesting last night, Robert. Did you know? And you said, listen, should we be concerned that Liverpool are not playing very well? Are you concerned? As someone that doesn't support Liverpool, but are you concerned? Uh, yeah, I think the there's there's a difference between there's a difference between doing what Manchester United teams in the past did. So effectively, they became renowned for doing it: Fergie time and rescuing, you know, last minute kind of goals and injury time winners and that kind of thing. And, and they became somewhat renowned for it. But there's a difference between doing that every now and again. And finding oneself in that situation every single game. And I feel like the more that continues, the the greater the pressure and the more it's likely to, you know, cause some kind of slump or some kind of bad patch. Okay. And I'm looking at the results. I'm looking at um, Liverpool's last few results, Chris. And if you think about it, let's be honest. We go back to the Chelsea game. On the 22nd, I think it was the 22nd of September. It was. Chelsea, I felt, despite the fact that they lost 2-1, Chelsea were the better team for pretty much the entire second half. Liverpool were not yeah, convincing. Fair. Liverpool were defending deep. Liverpool were being pushed back by Chelsea, who'd been in some decent form. They were not convincing against Sheffield United a week later. They were not that convincing against Leicester City. They were held by Manchester United. They left it late to beat Tottenham. And, of course, we saw a very late show by Sadio Mane against Aston Villa, away to Aston Villa. Now, of course, they've won five of those six games and they've drawn the other, which is all well and good. But I'm sorry, you need those stress-free 3-0s. No, I disagree. You need those those results. I I disagree. Uh, What they do is it solidifies belief is what it does. When you are not playing well, and I take it, if it becomes a pattern, if you're not playing well, but in a lot of these games... Don't let the result fool you. A lot of these games, they actually did play well. They were excellent in the first half. So in the first half hour against Chelsea, they were very good. I mean, Aston Villa got battered. What was it? 24 shots and goal. They got battered. It was a good goal that they scored, Aston Villa, but they still got battered. I think you look at it, 16 points from a possible 18. Substance over style. There is this fascination with playing well. End of the day, it's a results-driven business. And I think Liverpool right now, you ask those players, and we're going to hear from Jason McAteer this hour as well, the former Liverpool player. I think Liverpool right now, more than playing you know, champagne football, I think those Liverpool players right now are walking into the Melwood training ground feeling on top of the world, feeling on cloud nine, feeling as if no one can beat them because they've got into this habit. Adam Lallana, 85th minute equaliser against Manchester United. It was an 87th minute equaliser at the weekend from Andy Robertson. It was a 94th minute winner from Sadio Mane against Leicester again they probably didn't play well Leicester more than matched them it was a 95th minute penalty in the end it was a soft penalty for me and we'll maybe come back to that particular decision and how it related to yesterday's game between Everton and Tottenham in just a moment but again it's a penalty James Milner steps up he scores it and when you're not playing well and you're winning late and you're getting these here's late the problem, goals though. here's the problem they are going to eventually come a cropper if they keep getting into these situations where it's 1-1 or 0-0 with a few minutes to go or maybe they're trailing going into the second half if they keep getting into these tight spots sooner or later they are going to come a cropper it just stands to reason it's, it's statistically yeah, it's, improbable it's, but, for them to but, continue but, doing but, what they're doing if, if, but and maybe you look at what they've done so far they're on 31 points oh no look, look, again from 11 matches you're, you're, you're misunderstanding no. it's, it's a bit similar to the last night's I'm not, I'm not trying to bash them here 
I'm just saying that if they continue to be in those situations where they are relying on an injury time winner, at some point that's not going to come. And at some point they are going to lose momentum. And I just get the feeling that Manchester City will sit in the slipstream and they'll continue to pick up the points and they're just waiting for Liverpool. Liverpool have tr- have tried to front run. We've seen Jose Mourinho's Chelsea sides do it very effectively in the past. But Liverpool are essentially trying to front run the entire season. And it's like a horse race. It's very difficult to, to win from the front. It's much easier to sit in the pack and make your burst late no, on. I think, I now, think if you're a Liverpool fan right now, you are not concerned in the slightest. 10 wins in a draw, you're on 31 points. You are winning football matches. We've spoken, we've been fortunate to speak to title-winning players in the past. You speak to your Schmeichels and Yorks and Coles of this world. When you're winning, and winning in the nature that Liverpool are doing, you feel as if no one can beat you because you're not playing well and you're still winning. Lots of Liverpool fans getting in touch with us. That's what we like. If you're a Liverpool fan, if you've got a thought on this, if you've got a thought on anything you want to discuss football-related, get in touch with us on 4001. I'm not saying, obviously, if you give and say to any Liverpool fan what the position they'd be in right now after how many games is it? 11 games in the season. Obviously, they would bite your hand off. That goes without saying. They're in a brilliant position. It's theirs to lose. I'm just saying that it's not all peaches and cream. There are danger signs. It's very, no, it's on absolutely. a knife edge. Absolutely. It, it's, it's, uh, what, what I'm saying, though, is I, I think a little pattern of this, that where you're not at your fluent best, and we're getting a lot of texts of people saying that if you actually watch a lot of the games, Liverpool are dominating possession, and they are. They've maybe perhaps la- lacked a little bit of cutting edge in, in one or two of those games, but they've still walked away with 16 points from 18. And add that to, and I'm no doubt that Liverpool will start playing the kind of expansive football that they've become known for under Jurgen Klopp in the coming weeks. When they do get back to that, married with this kind of robust mentality of we will not lose. And I saw it, I I grew up with that in Manchester. And once you have that, it is a tidal wave. It becomes so difficult because there is an inner belief in every one of those players that step onto that football field that they will not be beaten. And I tell you what, it's an ominous sign for the rest of the Premier League. It's an ominous sign, let's be frank, for Manchester City because the rest are getting nowhere near the title this season. They're not. Um, Stephen Loftus says, in all games you've mentioned, Liverpool have dominated. They may have scored late, but there's a pattern of beating teams into submission. It's not pretty, but it's effective. Tough run of fixtures as well. Hassan says, Liverpool right now are almost like Juve last season, not playing the entire 90 minutes well, but winning. But unlike Juve, they might run out of steam, as happened to them for a patch last season. They were five or seven points ahead of, I think it was seven points actually, ahead of Manchester City. That was back in January, wasn't Mm. it? And a bad patch led them to leave, lose Rotation the lead by one. Rotation is crucial. Uh, and we're going to hear from Jason McAteer his thoughts on where Liverpool currently are. But yeah, rotation, absolutely. I think Jurgen Klopp will need to be a little bit more cuter as the season progresses. But right now, you've got a fully firing uh, f- you know, forward line for Mino, Manny. OK, Salah's going to be a bit quiet, but we're not even talking about that because they're still winning football matches. There are other players who are chipping in. And if you're a Liverpool fan right now, you should be ever so optimistic. Monday Night Football Live, where added time is a bonus. We are going to be talking VAR, yet another instalment of ridiculousness uh, I'm on gonna... the VAR front. I think people, are, everyone is just fed up with it now. Yeah, I'll, I'll come to this. I've got a real bee in my bonnet with this, and I'm sure you will agree. It's maybe one thing we will agree on this week, Robert, is the VAR and its implementation in the English Premier League. We'll come to all of that in just a moment. I just want to tie Liverpool Football Club up in a little bow, if I may. And when I say tying the club up in a bow, the conversation... <laughs> yeah, a lot of people wondering whether you've fallen and hit your head and woken up 
Oh, Liverpool. No, Loving Liverpool. Not at all. Not at all. I'm just trying to be balanced in this position and appreciate good football and all the rest of it because there is no denying that that football club is, is getting things an awful lot right on the field and, and an awful lot of things off the field at this moment in time. But... I caught up with one man, Jason McAteer, who, of course, represented the Reds for a number of years. In actual fact, Jason will be over here later this week. He is taking part in the DHL Swing Against Cancer Golf Series Grand Final. That is in conjunction with Mike Clark Golf Day. It is this coming Thursday down at the Jumeirah Golf Estates. Places are still available for both the golf day itself and the evening dinner. Tom Ucker, our very own, will be hosting proceedings down there. Jason McAteer will be regaling tales. He will be alongside Simon Shaw for you rugby fans out there of course Simon Shaw was a 2007 Rugby World Cup winner with England both of those men will be taking part in the golf day and regaling their stories in the evening dinner tickets for both if you want to play alongside even Jason McAteer play alongside Simon Shaw I am told that you can still do that if you want more information on both of those events then pop along to info or at least email info at swingagainstcancer.com to register your interest but I did catch up with Jason earlier this week. I want to delve straight into this because I've got to say this, Rob, and I'm not just saying this. He's excellent yeah. with Jason McAteer. Yeah, yeah. He's as good a pundit. I know Jamie Carragher, Gary Neville and all that get a lot of praise for their insight and analysis. This boy's decent and there is some more praise from a former Liverpool player as well. I wanted to get his thoughts on Liverpool and first port of call, is there a feeling that this could finally, and I hate to say this, that this could finally be the club's year? I think there's a different mentality around the place this year. I can feel it. You know, I can see it. Um, you know, it was disappointing to lose the league by, you know, a point. Only lose one game. You know, the Champions League kind of made up for it. and It kind of put a bit of a smile on our faces. But, you know, the sort of the holy grail for us is the um, is the Premier League. And, you know, I, I did feel around Christmas time, I don't know whether we really believed we could go on and win it. You know, we give it our best, but the confidence grew towards the end of the season and we got the bit between our teeth, but we just we just fell short by that one point. You know, we've gone into this season now with a real belief that we can do it. You know, that we go into games now, if we and Tottenham, for an example, last week, which was arguably the best performance of the season, they go one down. I think last season we would have been looking to, to maybe even it up and, and take a point from the game and, you know, to come from behind would, would have been a would have been a really good point. But I think now what what our mindset is is we go a goal behind. We want to win the game and we want to take three points. You know, it's a must. Um, and, and that mentality is driving us forward um, game by game. It's going to be tough over this Christmas period. You know, we've got 15 or 16 games coming up now through November and December. Some big games. City next week. We've got Villa tomorrow. Uh, sorry, at the weekend. So, um, so, yeah, it's important that we just focus on what's next and we keep this mentality going. And I think if we can keep everyone fit, uh, utilise the squad in the right manner, then um, we're real contenders this year. Do you subscribe to the view, Jason, that maybe, just maybe, Jürgen will need to go out and maybe make a splash in January, bring in perhaps uh, one or two other faces just to keep everyone else on their toes, but more than that, just guard against any injuries to their key boys? Yeah, I mean, it's it's easy saying that and, and thinking that is the right way to go, but as you know, it's a very difficult market. You know, players are overpriced. Yeah, you know, some are soaking, some want to get out. You know, agents, you know, they always turn the screw on their fees around that time as well. So it's a really precarious time to bring in players. But Jürgen's recruitment over the last three years, four years, has been absolutely second to none. You know, I don't think there's any player that, that's failed to be honest under Jürgen. 
He's improved every player he's brought in. He's proved, improved every player that's at the football club. And as you've seen the other night against Arsenal, he's got some very, very good youngsters who are, you know, biting it, biting, ready to go in, ready to make their mark and, and, and show that they're good enough to step up to the plate. Like to Brewster, Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott, who's 15, 16. Yeah, you know, 16. what the player he's going to be yeah. in the future. So, you know, as long as they're getting this experience through these Carabao Cup games and just dropping them in, 23s, playing well there, then I, I think we've got a big enough squad to go to the end of the season without bringing someone in. And it has to be right, Jürgen always has to pick the right player. He, he won't just go out on a, on a whim and just bring in anybody just to, to fill a gap. You know, it'll have to be someone that suits him and, and that he sees is going to be there for a while. So I'd be surprised if anyone comes in in, in, uh, in the winter. In a word, Liverpool, Premier League champions, 2019-2020, yes or no? <laughs> um, I'm going to say yes. But we, yeah. Us boys on Anfield, like <laughs> us, um, you know, us fans uh, you know, around the ground inside the ground, we, we go about our business quietly, we whisper <laughs> about it, we, we're certainly not talking about it uh, or shouting from the rooftops, but we, we know we've got a real opportunity, we've got a great manager, a great team and we're playing well, so um, let's hope it stays like that. Haven't quite booked the parade yet, not quite yet, but I think Jason there, and no one likes certainly ex pundits, and they, they they never or they rarely like kneeling their colours to the mask Unless because you're sometimes Dawson. sometimes you can end up with egg in your face. But I, I think Jason there has summed up the, the 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 general feeling around the club. I think a lot of fans now, not wanting to jinx it, but I think a lot of Liverpool fans are kind of sat there, maybe listening to this nodding, going, yeah. We feel it now as well. It's a huge game on Sunday. Make no mistake about that. Man City travel to Anfield. It's a Champions League week, of course, as well. So they've got to contend with that. But yeah, if Liverpool come away, if Liverpool avoid defeat on Sunday at Anfield, then yeah, I'm very much kind of subscribed to the view that, and I hate it, it it's, it, we've avoided it for a long time, but this season will finally be theirs. Now, I know you talked to him about Granite Xhaka yes. and the hoo-ha surrounding his altercation with Arsenal fans as he walked off the pitch. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and we've all seen it, didn't we? Not this weekend. Grant Jacobs actually stood down from the 1-1 draw with Wolves. There was no sign of Arsenal's club captain. He was given the, the weekend off. Of course, I don't think he's in the right headspace. I, I'd love to hear from our listeners on this. I actually, and this might be, some people might actually t- take this as a bit of a surprise, I have actually great sympathy Me for too. Granit Xhaka. Me too. I, I actually think in the grand scheme of things, the way that the world is, I, I've said so on this show, what, what footballers get you know the, the levels of abuse what they are privy to and, and you know what they have to go through now there will be those and I'm going to take the argument straight out of your mouth to say well hold on a second Chris there are other footballers who get just as much abuse that manage to you know I guess are the, the poster boys of restraint and who are able to try and shy away from actually reacting that's what the boo, by, boo boys want but in the case of Granite Xhaka I have every sympathy in the world if you're telling someone if you're sat there and I don't care how much he earns don't message in on 4001 saying he's earning 150 grand plus he should grow thicker skin I don't care what industry you're in if you've got someone if you've got thousands of people telling you cheering your substitution the lad's only doing his very best and if someone is cheering ironically uh, and booing and baying you uh, and goading you, then, yeah, it's only human that you're going to react. I've done it on this show. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I'm fully with you on this. You're not going to get any disagreement out and of me. And that's good. We love hearing from you. 
share your thoughts with us. It just adds to the conversation. A Chelsea fan has been in touch. No name on the message, but saying, I think the Arsenal fans were out of order for what they did to Xhaka. Should ideally have the professionalism to deal with it later on social media via one of the platforms. Unfortunately, this moment will be remembered for the rest of his career and the internet never forgets, especially when it's is something rather embarrassing. Uh, and that's just, that, that's unfortunately, that's the sad reality that the balance of power in this instance is with the supporters because yeah, I, I it's the it, mob mentality. I do disagree with it slightly. We live in a new cycle now that there is just 24-7 and there's the churn, isn't there, when you've got presidents yeah, of I mean, certain look how, countries. Look, look how easily Jamie Carragher has moved past his spitting, <laughs> yeah, I mean, spitting listen, incident. Who knows what will happen for the remainder of this season. Arsenal could reach the Europa League final and it, we, we've seen football. It does wonderful things at times. Granite Xhaka could score a 35-year-old Thunderbolt to win Arsenal in the Europa League and all's forgiven. And that's a lot. A lot of the, the criticism that's come from Arsenal fans in the wake of all this has actually been not at his conduct but at his play yeah and and, and that's and if that's he was it. if he was playing like Sadio Mane I can guarantee yeah they wouldn't have had the same reaction I mean, literally all Granit Xhaka needs to do to silence those boo boys is is to get on with it and produce a performance that makes people go oh he is actually decent and then they, they kind of steer their gaze to some other poor sap or poor soul that they can pick on it's just the footballing nature isn't it I mean listen I'm, I'm not going to sit here and condone what he did of course not any young kids watching I appreciate all that you've got to set a kind of template but I can certainly understand mm. where the frustration comes from because it can't be nice you've got the millions watching around the world you're a captain of a football club you're doing your level best and you've got 50,000 plus cheering your exit so I can completely understand where he comes from I wanted to get Jason McAteer this is a man of course who's played the game I wanted to get a couple of things from him did he have sympathy for Granite that's A and B has the hysteria surrounding the incident been blown out of proportion firstly I, I yeah I, I've got a lot of sympathy for him you know footballers don't go out on purpose to have a bad game yeah. they don't go out on purpose not to play well and and certainly the first thing on their mind is to play well, to win a football match. Um, you know, the fans the fans have obviously vented their frustration, but it's not going quite well at Arsenal at the minute. You know, Emery's had a season there, he's, he's into his second season. Um, you know, the fans are expecting a little bit more possession. It's not really coming. Um, and, I, and I sometimes think that players can become scapegoats. You know, we've seen it at Jordan Henderson at Liverpool a few seasons ago. He's turned that around now and become one of the fans' favourites. But I do feel like with Xhaka and maybe Mustafi, they're the two players that, that the fans kind of pick on when it's not going well. I think they're easy targets. So, you know, Xhaka coming off and friend is venting his frustration the way he did, yeah, it's not great, but I do understand it. You know, he's just come to the end of his tether. He'd been taken off in a couple of games prior to, to the weekend. Um, and he's just really, really frustrated. So he did what he did and... You know, like you just said there, then the media, they just jump on anything like that negative, don't they? And, you know, I think claiming, bringing claims for him to, to stand down as captain is, is a bit harsh. You know, I think, um, you know, he's got the backing of the team. He's probably spoke to the manager about things. He's probably cleared the air inside the football club. Now, there has to be some, um, an element of, of sort of making it up with the fans and, yeah. and getting back on track because, uh, because it's, it's a difficult situation for him and I, I wouldn't take the armband off him. I think you would lose the player even more if you did that. I think you need to give him that responsibility to get back on the pitch and, and play well for Arsenal. Sage stuff from mm. Jason McAteer. Yeah, he speaks Hard a lot to of argue sense. 
with any of that. Um, what there is equally something that's hard to argue about is VAR, because you won't find anyone, no dissenting voices that are arguing for VAR anymore on Twitter. I'll say, and again, we don't want to get caught up in the sensationalism of it all. VAR works. The implementation of it is the area right now that the Premier League need to take a long, hard look at themselves. We'll delve into a few decisions from the weekend in just a moment. The, the chief among them, and I know we've got Everton fans, and even the most hardened of Everton fan will probably acknowledge that Youngman's son should never have been sent off for that tackle yesterday. Not in a million years. I want to read out a little tweet from oh, Danny Baker, nice. if I can. Without being opportunistic, there are very strong parallels between Brexit and VAR. <laughs> VAR was sold as a panacea to all football's shortcomings, a simple, straightforward remedy to eradicate argument and make things better. Yet it turns out to be a divisive, muddled, bureaucratic mess. And there we go. Danny Baker has put it beautifully and that kind of sums it all up isn't it because I think it's very important that we establish this because there's been a lot of people uh, and I can name two who are on our television screens over in this part of the world who just don't seem to grasp it Mike Riley who is the head of the referee uh, referee association he's been coming in for, for an awful lot of dogs abuse both battles have been pointed at him but where we're currently at with VAR is that a decision was made by the Premier League because and I, I, I'm going to look at my little crystal ball and if this issue is solved I can tell you exactly what us fans will be whinging and complaining about in a few months time the Premier League if you are watching football you will see that the referees are, are not consulting with monitors that's gone out the window that VAR decisions are being looked at and the referee has, is being told, listen, you maybe got that wrong or you did get that wrong, reverse your decision. Okay, the Premier League made that decision during the off-season because why? They didn't want... To slow down the game. Exactly that. They didn't want us fans going, oh, here we go again, six minutes wasted whilst he looks at a monitor. So they made the decision. It is probably, and I think we'd all agree, it's probably the wrong one. I think if you had to take one or the other, you would rather that extra 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 90 seconds for the referee who is refereeing the match for him to make the decision. Because he might go over and look at it and go, you know what? I'm going to stick with my original decision. I've watched it on the monitor. We can all see at home what he's seeing. And he may decide to stick. What ended up happening is in their fear of slowing the game down, in their fear of a backlash, they've decided, I'll tell you what, we'll just look at decisions and make it for the referee if they're clear and obvious. Now, what's happened as the weeks have gone on, it's now just not clear and obvious. They're making decisions. I mean, some of the decisions. I mean, son, yesterday, bless him. He was a broken man with that tackle. And, mm. and obviously all of our thoughts go to Andre Gomez. But when you watch the replay of the tackle on various cameras, it's innocuous. It's a booking at best. I mean, Sun is not, and I, I appreciate, you don't need to be a malicious character to go into a referee's book. Of course you don't. You don't need that even with a red card. But when you look at that tackle again, it's actually the way he falls that leads to the horrific dislocation. And, and so you think the ankle. injury led to the red card? Of, co and of course it does. And a statement released by the Premier League today has, has actually sent an incredible dangerous precedent because they've actually come out to say that if a tackle leads to a serious injury, then that is uh, deemed a red card, which I think is, is total and utter nonsense. It was a tackle. Yeah, okay, it was a bad one. It was a booking. But it wasn't the tackle that led to the injury. The injury was led to by the awkward fall from Andre Gomez. So that needed to be looked Players at. Players can injure themselves running without even being contact. Yeah, of, of course they can. 
They you can know? pull a hamstring or an Achilles or what have you. Oh, of course they can. And again, not that I'm crying over spilt milk, but I go back a few weeks ago. Sadio Mane went down under a tackle from Mark Albrighton. He made a meal of it. He made the most of it. Now, I watched a game yesterday in which Son went down under a challenge from Yeri Mina that was so similar. He made a bit of a meal of it, like Sadio Mane did. They looked at it, they looked at it, they looked at it, did VAR. And on this occasion, they decided... Nah, no penalty. Yeah, but this is the problem. It's different people making these decisions. Exactly. This is the so this is the issue. The... It's got to be the referee exactly. that makes the decision. And in all honesty, you can't have VAR invading every single component of the game. You just cannot no. have it. You've got to go right. It's goal scoring. It's whether it's a goal or not, and then maybe one other. Maybe red cards, maybe penalties. I, I'm not sure. But you cannot certainly have VAR invading all these different areas of the game where of course there's going to be massive and delays it's ridiculous and you look and at people, rugby how have rugby gotten it so right and football have gotten it so wrong I've said it before Rob the fact that this wasn't thought through now the powers that be if they were in this room would say well hold on a sec Chris we have thought it through and this is the best that we've come up with which is shocking it's so poor and I use listen we've talked with Steve Bennett haven't we the former Premier League referee about offsides there are no grey areas it's black and white you're either offside or you're not but I'm sorry at the weekend, and again, here I am sticking up for Liverpool Football Club. Roberto Firmino's goal, and we saw, was it Kane or Son against Leicester earlier this season? Very similar. His armpit, his fingernail. I don't know if it was his armpit or his fingernail. I'm not quite sure what it was. There's no daylight. They're working on these arbitrary lines. That it's making a mockery, clear and obvious. The linesman, Roberto Firmino, is onside. The more I watch that, the more I'm still convinced he's onside. Bottom line, football was better before VAR. It was more enjoyable. It was more entertaining. You know what it was. That's the bottom line. Yeah, it was. And yes, okay, someone's pointing out. I think, uh, is it, who's been in touch here? 7437. Oh, no, sorry. I beg your pardon. Paul, let's not forget however ludicrous mistakes referees used to make week in, week out, VAR will improve. And actually, the point right now, though, is Paul, it's a farce. It's making a mockery of what we tell you say we tell you, everyone's got a different opinion on this, is one of, if not the most elite league in world football. There, there is a, an arrogance about them, isn't there? That all the other leagues are focusing on, get the referee over to the monitor, but the Premier League, oh no, we do things differently. We will referee this, we will keep the game flowing. And what's ended up happening, it's a hodgepodge, it's a mess right now. It is an utter mess. And as one of our listeners is rightly pointing out, Martin Atkinson lost control last night. And and, and that's the, pro- the, the, the problem with all of this. Referees are just being bombarded. Referees go into games. I, I guarantee praying just please no VAR. Just, just a, but you can't. You can't escape no, it anymore. You can't. It's all pervading now. But just a quick question for you, Chris. Do you think it will still be as farcical and as convoluted and disagreed upon come May? Or will they be forced to take action before, between now and then? Come me, no, they'll, they'll be stubborn. Enough. I mean, they'll, they'll be stubborn enough. Every now. single powerful voice in football is up in arms. Certainly yep. in the Premier League, they'll be stubborn enough. I think for the and I hate to say this, but in the balance of fairness, the fact that it's like this now, you almost have right. You almost kind of have to. It's stick a nonsense with it. now, so we'll keep it as a nonsense until I, the end. It sounds of the season. awful. People are probably shaking their head at this, but I kind of thought. I kind of would tend to agree with that I think what will end up happening is ask me is it going to still be like this come August next season I certainly hope not I, I think Saints will eventually prevail and they'll look at it and the easiest fix right now is for them to say okay let the referees come on over and, and say and basically put it back on us to say okay you wanted this there you go now don't be complaining 
if it's uh, if the matches go a little well, longer. Conal's been in touch to say refs copping out from their responsibility. Uh, they're not copping out though, not. are they? Because they're the ones getting told by the VAR it's not, officials. It's not the referees. The, the referees, and, and, and again, you, you never hear from them. It's another part of the problem. You don't hear from referees and they're protected. And maybe The point says, is, I don't think it's the referee's decision to not no. have VAR. No, I no, think no, they'd, no, ra- no. they'd rather be in control of the game. 100% Conal. Sorry, I'm kind of maybe missing the point here. No, no, no. This is a directive from above. It's not the referees passing the buck here. They have been told to keep the games moving to do it like this. If the directive comes from above, right, we're going to stop, you know, suits up in the stands or wherever they're sat. They're sat in Birmingham, I think it is, looking on the TV monitors. We're going to stop all of that and you've got to pop over to your monitor. They will do that. This is the directive that has come from their superiors. Yeah, because you've got to, again, to have true consistency, you've got to have the same same individual who's in charge of the game can can therefore... Absolutely. You know, see whether he can check his own decisions rather than having someone else. But that decision has been taken away from him. It's refereeing by committee. Yeah. Is what it is. Anyway, um, just a couple of minutes left to to touch on a few other points that have come out of the weekend. I mean, Arsenal and Manchester United wobbling. Yeah, massively. I sent out a tweet to say that nothing had changed under Emery and quite a few people jumped on that. Not much changing under Oli. A lot more youth in there, but yeah, I mean... Uh, two bad results. Uh, I think we're, we're starting to look at both of them out of the equation. Certainly, Man United's case, but Arsenal, I, I tend to think as well, out of the equation. I think the top four is what the top I four think will the, finish. The side that's really Arsenal are, are reflecting very badly when held up against right now is Leicester City. Yeah, Leicester City. Because era. you know, you, people, people, the apologists for Arsenal will say, you know, um, yes, they've got great talent in attack, but they've got major weaknesses as well throughout their squad. The fact is. They've got the same problems that they had five years ago yeah. under Arsene Wenger. They haven't evolved. They haven't developed. They haven't improved demonstrably in any area. No. And you look at Leicester City, which, let's be honest, man for man, is a weaker squad. Well, I think... Pa- on paper. The most remarkable thing of all of this as well is they sold Harry Maguire for 80 million quid. And yet they've improved. And again, it comes down to it. I'm repeating myself. Brendan Rodgers, a very good football manager, an even better football coach is Brendan and uh, he's put together a team there that is kind of built in his image that are a joy to watch Tielemans, Madison Ben Chilwell I mean Soyonku's come in they're just yeah they're good and they're going to finish top four I think the top four that is there and a quick word as well eight wins from nine for Chelsea I know producer Tom's a big Blues fan Frank Lampard quietly going about his yeah, business and I sat in that very chair start of the season and said Chelsea fans did I not Yeah, you, you should be excited because there is something there. And I, uh, and it was my mate that said it actually, and I apologise because we've got a few Chelsea fans that listen. For the first time, Chelsea are almost likable because they're playing youngsters. They really are. You're playing a great a point. And they've got a likable manager as well. They're a likable man, but they're just likable. You know, Chelsea for a long time. Not to say that Maurizio Sarri and no, but Antonio you know what Conte I mean? weren't likable. But mm, Chelsea's a football club though. No, so they it's, weren't. It's a bit... No. Sorry, Chelsea fans. No, but, I know. But they weren't likable. Whereas now, you look at them and, and <laughs> the, the pace in which they've got in the final third, Abraham, Pulisic, Mount. I like them. They're a joy. And Jorginho's ball for the opening goal, pass of the weekend. And also, they're unpredictable as well. The Chelsea fan, the Chelsea of, of old was the the, the title yeah. winning Chelsea was dull. It was machine like. Yeah, machine like. It was yeah. just powerful. It was it was relatively one dimensional, but it was very effective at what it did. There's a zip. There's a the, yeah. There's a, a vibrancy about Chelsea right now. And if I'm, I said it, start of the season. If you're a it's Chelsea, it's a good fan, time. It's an exciting time. I'm looking it. at producer Tom here, who is a, a Chelsea fan. It is an exciting time to be a supporter of Chelsea. This is Dubai I 103.8.